Hey kids and parents, are you looking for a summer STEM camp to keep your middle to high school student engaged? Or are you looking for an after school STEM oriented group that actually does real aerospace throughout the year? Well, look no further than the Aerospace and Innovation Academy, our parent organization. For our South Florida listeners, there are three distinctive summer sessions that will be offered in late July. For those math lovers out there, learn orbital mechanics and understand the math behind how those rockets get into orbit. For those competitive science individuals, getting a head start in that science fair means starting now. Both these camps are half-day sessions and are taught by our very own aerospace instructor and renowned science fair consultant, Kevin Simmons. For a cross-curricular experience, choose the week-long ACES camp, which stands for Aerospace CubeSats and Exploration of Science, where students will receive a space mission, work on teams to solve a problem, and pitch a solution in an oral component. Here, all those math, science, reading, writing, and speaking skills will be employed. Registration is open now by emailing interest to the email found in the show notes, or you'll find a registration form there as well. Now, not local, that's okay. A new cohort of online space club will start back up in September, along with new opportunities in the Wolfpack CubeSat development team. Check out our website at www.aerospacehigh.org. That's A-E-R-O-S-P-A-C-E-H-I-G-H dot O-R-G for more information. Registration will open soon for those as well. Join us and let's go to space. Let's go to Space Blue Sky Learning, episode 113, Kindergarten in Space. Today, Kevin and I meet with Kirsten Bunting. She's a kindergarten teacher at Roosevelt Elementary on Florida's Space Coast. Kirsten has a strong passion for STEM, but especially all things space. She strives to educate and inspire the Artemis generation and beyond to appreciate and understand the world of space. Through her university coursework, Kirsten is creating professional development in STEM topics so that other teachers can also inspire their students to reach for the stars. In her free time, Kirsten enjoys spending time at the beach and, of course, watching rocket launches from her backyard or the parking lot of the Vehicle Assembly Building at Kennedy Space Center. As always, we hope that you'll stay tuned after for our takeaways. Welcome, Kirsten Bunting. Thanks so much for spending a little bit of your afternoon with us and um, and for sharing your, your love of space education. For our audience, just remind us who you are and how you came to get involved in space. All right. My name is Kirsten Bunting. I am currently a teacher at Roosevelt Elementary in Cocoa Beach. Um, so we literally get to watch rocket launches from the playground and it's, it's beautiful. Um, I actually grew up in Illinois and lived there for most of my life, I only moved to Florida about eight years ago, but ever since I was a little girl, I knew I was going to move to Florida, and I always told my dad, I'm going to work for Kennedy Space Center, which hasn't happened yet, but we're, getting, yeah. we're working on it. Um, I've At two years old, I was able to tell my parents every planet in order, front and front to back, and just loved anything and everything that had to do with space, and so it has become my passion um, to teach and as well, share my love for space with children and adults alike. So, 
So little people, kindergartners, right? So how, I mean, first of all, they're naturally inquisitive. Like I always describe them as like little puppies. They're so exuberant and excited to learn. How are you able to kind of harness that excitement and then apply it to what could be considered like, you know, higher level concepts for kids of that age? Absolutely. Um, I always look at it as through the eyes of a child. They see everything with wonder and it is, it's magical. Um, and it's definitely difficult to explain a lot of things to them because there are things they don't understand, but when you make it fun and engaging and really break it down to their level, um, it, it makes them excited too. Um, for example, I um, have my boyfriend come and speak to my class every year and I let them just ask questions. I sit down and they either write the question themselves or I scribe it for them. And they ask the cutest and funniest questions. And he works for Kennedy Space Center. Is that right? So he comes he to your class to talk. Is he an engineer? Is that what he's talking with them about? Yes, he um, is a mechanical engineer. So um, they obviously think everybody at NASA is an astronaut. So they ask him questions like he is an astronaut. Um, and he knows quite a few of the answers as well, um, just because of the, the people that we get to meet and interact with. Um, but they... They just see everything with wonder and um, inquiry is just a huge part of our classroom. Um, that's, that's the helm of my classroom is inquiry, letting them ask questions, letting them explore and giving them the tools to do so. Um, one of my favorite questions that they ever asked him was, have you ever been in a, a crater? <laughs> Thinking of wow, they, that's they know, cute. Yeah. Uh, we study the sky and the objects in the sky and they know that the moon has craters. So they you know he's an astronaut so he's been to the moon and he hasn't but it blew their mind because he told them actually I have been in a crater um, because of the craters in Arizona and things like that so they've definitely learned a lot wow what uh what would you say is your um favorite space memory and then later on we'll ask you about your favorite teaching space memory and they may or may not be the same absolutely uh, my favorite space memory was getting to be a part of, ooh, that's a tough one. I would say getting to be a part of the Artemis One launch. Um, I got to be there for the third launch attempt um, when the rocket actually went off. And I actually got to help um, escort ESA employees at the Space Center, which was pretty cool. Um, I really enjoyed that, and it was it was so neat to be able to take part in history being made. Right, I, you know, I I don't know if Americans understand what good uh, diplomacy that NASA has been with our partners like the European Space Agency because you know we built the uh, the space station with them, and even as bad as things are with us and the Russians right now, we still have Americans and Russians working side by side and the ISS. So that had to be fun. Uh, were you able to have a conversation with these, uh, the visitors or? I was, were, yes. Uh, was, what was that like? They were all so excited and just so happy to be there and happy to just finally see it go. Cause many of them, some of them had been there coming since the first attempt. So right. waiting and waiting and the anticipation was. I, am I right in that the Europeans built like the service module for the Orion? They 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 actually contributed to the SLS. Is that they correct? Did, yes, that is correct. 
So is your favorite teaching memory the same or is it a different one? Let's just go straight there. Like with work, I can only imagine these little kids and what they're talking about. My favorite teaching memory is actually, it has some to do with space, but in a roundabout way. Um, I have a little boy in my classroom who came in to my room with some behavior challenges. And I learned that he was obsessed with space, especially NASA and SpaceX. So I ended up creating him a behavior chart out of SLS. I took the SLS, cut it into five pieces, and he earned what we now call his rocket pieces all throughout the day. And then he would get a prize at the end of the day. Um, and that turned into a whole like behavior management system for him. I actually ended up having some of my friends from NASA create a video about what it's like to work at NASA and the skills, the social emotional skills you need to be able to work in a stressful environment, especially when it comes to launching rockets, which is what he's crazy about. Um, as a matter of fact, today he came to school um, literally spinning and yelling, it's Starship launch day, it's Starship launch day over and over again, so excited. And when I told him that they scrubbed, he, he cried. <laughs> so it, it was so, it's it's very special to see um, such young people so excited about space. I, I would imagine that sounds like in your classroom, you could even broadcast that launch live. Is that something that you would have the flexibility to do? Absolutely. I'm still like just impressed first of all like the idea that obviously we know that you have to have behavioral management systems and that there are little things you can do with younger level students but that was really quick of you to take his passion and relate it to a same way like okay there are consequences so right. i can almost envision now this becomes a marketable product that you can kind of like you know it themed almost like you know themed behavioral management things where you have these little kits out and teachers pay teachers or whatever where somebody Absolutely. can download that that's fantastic yeah Thank i'm you. When you said that, in, in my mind, I'm thinking, well, the next iteration as this child gets older, you could make him a go, no-go checklist for launch. You know, like his goal is to get to launch and you could check him off during the day, something similar to what you're already doing. He would probably... Mm -hmm probably really respond to something like that. Well, I'm also thinking too, you said that they then created a video saying like, we have to behave or act a certain way in order to be this. Mm -hmm. So he's going to start to associate, oh, okay, if this is where I see myself in, in a career, then I have to adjust mm -hmm. and kind of become that now. It's fantastic. Absolutely. It is funny that you say that too, because at the end of every day, he comes up and goes, Miss Bunting, go or no go. And he knows if it's no go, that means he doesn't get his reward for the end of the day but if it's go he gets his price so right <laughs> it's fantastic um are you able uh, well do you do field trips to ksc with them that young is that something what is we that do. like because i've you know i've worked almost my entire life or i'm sorry for 20 plus years it's been middle school high school for me so i don't have a lot of wheelhouse you know it's not my place tell me what it's like with the really younger students that was actually our first field trip of the year. Um, and it was, they were so excited and had so much fun. And we um, go out to the Astronaut Memorial Foundation Education Center and they put on a wonderful presentation for us that really dove into the different parts of Artemis and what they do and provided a um, craft activity where they took the parts of Artemis and talked about them and glued them down where they needed to go. 
Um, and we also got to do all the fun stuff too. Um, of course, they loved Planet Play and all of that kind of stuff too. So, are they old enough to ride the little Atlantis simulator? Are they old enough, tall enough for that? I would say I have a few that are tall enough. Um, that was not open to us while we were there, though. I just learned about that play area. We were just there on the week over the weekend with sixth graders. Mm -hmm. And they're like, we no, here's what we really want to go with the, the play plays or the whatever it was. And I was like, what are you even talking about? I had no idea that apparently the bigger kids love that place well, as well. And I mean, that used to be uh, a different, you know, they've modified that. That was like a theater and some, you know, that building has changed recently with the addition of Gateway, right? The Gateway building is entirely new. So uh, eight years, huh? How many times have you visited KSC in eight years? Oh, um. Funny thing is, I did not visit KSC until about three years after I moved to Florida. Um, I lived on the Space Coast for two whole years before I even visited KSC. Wow, that's funny. Um, You're right there. That's the story. Yeah. Well, so, I want to ask a little bit about, so continuing into your classroom, right? So what are the biggest challenges that you have with kindergartners mm -hmm. and these, are you doing experiments? Are you teaching like, so what's the biggest challenge with that age group in, in space or science? We do a lot of project-based learning. And the biggest challenge there is the social emotional skills. At that age, they're still really developing and learning those problem-solving skills socially and in general. So it's helping them learn to navigate challenges, um, especially at the beginning of the year. So many of them just say, oh, this doesn't work. I give up, I'm not doing it, it's too hard. And there's lots of tears. But as we progress throughout the year, they build more confidence and realize, oh, I, I can do this. I just have to maybe try it a different way or maybe even ask for help. Um, and at one point um, I was teaching fifth grade and one of the most profound things that a fifth grader has ever said to me in regards to STEM education was, it is, um, let's see, what was it? STEM education has taught me that not everyone is good at everything but that everyone is good at something. And when we all work together, we can solve big problems. And that has become my goal to teach every age that that is a valuable solution to have in life. Well, speaking of every age, let's transition a little bit into the work that you're doing for professional development. So tell us a little bit about that. So I am currently working on my master's degree in instructional design and technology. And through my coursework, I've created a five module course for educators um, that covers what STEM education is, why it's valuable, um, what STEM education looks like in the classroom with hands-on experiences. So basically um, myself or another instructor would be doing a um, STEM or STEAM activity with them. And then also giving them the chance to see how STEM or STEAM connects across the curriculum as well as providing them with an opportunity to collaborate with their peers and create a, um, basically a map of their entire school year and the different standards that they cover and how they can work a STEAM curriculum into that. So you're helping them to plan in advance instead of trying to like grapple at the last minute to get it together. So do you do, you do it from like a backwards planning like where you're kind of starting at the end in mind and then working the way back into, or does it work in quarters? Is that like, like we do in middle and high school? Yeah, it's mostly by quarter. Mm -hmm. So as part of your graduation course, you're creating these 
these components, are you going to put them on um, a, a site like, like a Thinkific or a Udemy or like how would a teacher access those courses? Yes. Currently working on a website for those. So, so you're, you're <laughs> working a side hustle already. Yes, absolutely. Fantastic. Do you have a name for your company? I do not yet. That is still in the works. <laughs> well, I think, you know, the coaching realm has, has really taken a, a hold. And so there's always a need for people who figured out how to do something well to teach those who are just now coming in the industry. So I think it's important for like new teachers. There's always, uh, it's always hard to retain new teachers just because teaching in general can be stressful. And when you're brand Absolutely. new, you're just learning, you're already like, unless you have a mentor, you're already, you know, kind of out of sorts. So it's almost like you're, you're coaching a teacher, an educational coach, particularly with STEM. So a STEM and, and, coach. And I'd like to add to that. I think it also sometimes there are good teachers that simply don't have the time to get some of the content or an activity or an experience that they want something and they know that thing when they see it. But it just would take so long for them to create it on their own. It's easier to say that's a great um, you know, activity for my class, I'm going to use that. Well, make sure you make a teacher's pay teacher store. That's something I am late to the game and doing, but as I listen to other podcasts that are also entrepreneurial for like educators or entrepreneurs as they were, I always mm -hmm. think if I had only done this like seven years ago, then, you know, if you have your teacher store, then you can use your website to obviously sell things like your behavioral modification rockets. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> which I think are, I'm still like reeling about them. I think that's fantastic. Well, when you're dealing with adults, have you actually worked with any of them yet for the PD or is it you're just creating the classes? I have not actually worked with any yet. Um, I'm, I'm still working on creating the classes and it's looking like I'm also going to be blessed with the opportunity to go to the um, space conference put on by the Astronaut Memorial Foundation, which is the Spaceport Area Conference for Educators. Um, and my administration seems to be really excited about that. Mm -hmm. And is, is our, that July? July, right? It's a summer. Is it a summer? In June. June, yes. Yes. Well, I'm sure we will also invite you to, uh, I'm sure Kevin usually waits to the end, but like this is a great opportunity. Yes. There's well, an education conference that we do too. So yes, we, um, you know, I, I was taking students to small set conference in Utah, but that's hard to get to. And we're like, hey, we're, we're near the space coast. So last year, an engineer from Jacobs, whose name was also Kevin and I, uh, Kevin mm -hmm. and I. Yeah, his name is not Kevin and we, I. We uh, <laughs> organized the small set education conference and our, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and it's, it was last year we were free. It was free for students and educators. So we want teachers to come to get equipped and get inspired and get some things that they can take back with them, especially related to high altitude balloons, uh, thin mm -hmm. sets and cube sets. So in fact, uh, I have plans on my kids, uh, my six, let's say my aerospace club builds rockets. Well, mm -hmm. we're going to take the kindergarten kids out into the field and let them actually push the button to launch the rockets. We think that the kindergarten kids will get a big kick out of that. So they absolutely would. <laughs> yeah. And I'm, I'm throwing out the invite to you that you're welcome to, um, you know, please share with your network and please come and attend our conference. In the well, fall. and there's opportunities to present too. And I'm sure that you, you know, like this is an important field. I think we wait too long, especially in American education to recognize mm -hmm. the value of these STEM careers until they're in say high school or college. When really right. we should be tapping the interest of them in kindergartner. Like those are Absolutely. the young kids who, who don't know that they can't do these big things. They're super excited about being at 
but we need to have more elementary teachers and to kind of change that that thought process about how we view uh, these young these young kids. For sure. And the beauty of STEM education is it can help them be successful no matter their career, um, because it does teach them those valuable social skills and problem solving and collaboration. Right. Well, my role, for example, I'm actually an English teacher and debate coach, so I'm not even STEMI, right? But when I started working with Kevin, we were sharing some of the same students and they were talking about CubeSats and I didn't know what they were, but I was like, they were going out into the community and talking about them. So I figured mm -hmm. I can help them prepare to speak on the content. So what I learned very quickly after working with his kids and, um, and together was that in any industry, and so we focus on the aerospace industry, there's a job for everyone. It doesn't matter what it is. So, okay, I'm a debate coach. So there's space law, or I'm an artist, I can design mission patches. And I think right. that we forget that most people only think, oh, you're an astronaut or you're an engineer if you're in aerospace. Absolutely. Yeah, especially growing up in Illinois, when I first moved here, I thought I'd pigeonholed myself almost like, oh, I'm going to be a teacher for the rest of my life. And, yeah. you know, t teaching isn't the best climate right now. Um, no, I still, I still love it and enjoy it. Um, and I, I didn't think there was ever going to be a position for me at NASA, but now I know there is, and I've, I've known that for quite a while now, but it definitely, it, it's great to know that you can encourage any student to chase their dreams, no matter what yeah, they're sure. studying. Are you, um, you know, and I just saw recently there were postings for the ISS National Labs. I think they mm -hmm. were looking for some educator folks. So do you know, uh, if you're not aware, when we're done with our interview, I, I'm glad to share with you the names of the folks that I know that, and perhaps you already know them, space, you know, space, may, do, be, yes. space <laughs> may be almost infinite, but uh, folks in aerospace are, there's, that's a very close community. So we yeah. tend to get to know each other. Um, I can tell you based on some research that Shauna did for a presentation, that uh, I remember in her literature search, she shared that students as young as five or six can't form a STEM identity. Well, it's Erickson and Piaget, yeah. right? That whole educational pedagogy Absolutely. about when we form who right. we are, that identity so happens. I, I, and as a coach, right? Somebody who has coached sports teams for two decades um, in athletics, you know, if a child, if a, if a person, a young person can't see themselves doing it, it's very hard for them to achieve it, right? So that's right. partly it's about visualizing what you want. You're in sort of like down the road where you want to be. And uh, the older I get, I see that maybe the path isn't such a straight line, but you've got to have a vision of where you want to be headed, you know, down the line. I guess you get to be at the front end of that uh, vision building, yeah. you know, with these kids. <laughs> So I imagine on the Space Coast, do a lot of kindergarten kids want to work at NASA? Is that something that they identify easily to, like the meatball logo and the worm yeah, logo? They do. Um, I have quite a few that want to, but I, I also have the little girls that want to be princesses and the boys that want to be race car drivers and things like that. Yeah. But there's definitely quite a few that want to be astronauts or even engineers, so. Oh, that's so do, do you have a lot of uh is your school located in a place where you get like employees kids you know like yes. folks that work on the okay so that that nut is not falling far from the tree right absolutely because they probably see it in their daily lives so i have one more question about your curriculum too and i was thinking and i know you haven't actually worked with the adults yet but you are one and you have colleagues what do you imagine your so we asked about the challenges for the little people how different do you think it will be 
But how different do you think it will be to actually have to entertain or educate an adult population versus your kindergartners? It's funny that you asked that. <laughs> um, I feel like so often any PD session is much like teaching any grade. Um, you, you'll have teachers that are disengaged, disinterested. They don't want to be there. They just want to go home. Um, but it's all about making it fun and hands-on. And one thing I love about STEM education is it creates an opportunity for students to own their learning and really connect with it. And I feel like that would be the same thing for educators. There's, there's a phrase that we throw a lot around in education that is buy-in, they need buy-in. Mm -hmm. And I feel like once educators understand what STEM is, why it's important and how it can transform their classroom, they will have the buy-in. Yeah. Well, just for the sake of time, you know, we always love to end with that that question for to inspire either the teachers who might be listening, who might be thinking, how do I bring space down to this level? I, there's no way it can be done. Or even for parents out there who might have really young minds that they might want to, to encourage. So what advice do you have for our listeners? Read. Reading is so important. There's so many great books out there um, about astronauts and engineers, especially women astronauts and women engineers that can help spark those ideas and dreams um, for your children. That's really good. Yeah, I think when I think to any experience that I had with space, and one of the things that I always notice when you ask Kevin, like wh what was their earliest memories of it? Most people mention a parent, right? Or the idea of some parent engaged. Like for me, it was my, my father pointing up at the stars and we would walk and say, look at the stars. But I also read a lot and there was, cause there's no way I was ever going to go up into space. I was in like the thriving yeah. metropolis of Homosassa Springs, Florida, right? Like nobody knows yeah. where that is. So, but I would read stories and whether it was a wrinkle in time or any other sci-fi that would take me beyond right. um, that. So I could at least imagine, and it really opened up worlds. And in this case, obviously the next world that we might have. Absolutely. Well, um, Kristen, I want to thank you for being with us. And I, I actually am really looking forward to hearing and where you're going to land on the next phase of your career, because I know you're in preparation now, right? Sounds we're like all, NASA education yeah. to me. We're, we're always preparing. And, um, and I'll just throw out a name, Cindy Hasselbrink. She's in NASA headquarters. If you haven't met her yet, maybe find a way to connect with her. Uh, she, she's in the education office there at NASA, um, but hopefully she'll see or hear this pod or vodcast. And uh, I, you know, we wish you the best of success and we look forward to just hearing about really great things that are gonna go on in the near future. And I'm thinking maybe since we're so close, there might be a way to collaborate with her kids, even via like a Zoom or at some point like your aerospace kids, even if we do it for next yes. year, we can come up and visit and they could do an activity with her kids. That That's right, my, 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 that class, my lab is right next door to the kindergarten class. We have glass walls. It is very, um, you know, I invite the kindergarten over and my middle school kids will do demonstrations for the kindergartens. I don't know which group of kids enjoys it the most, the little ones, you know, or the middle school, but we can definitely find ways to collaborate because I believe like you do that STEM is vital. And if, uh, you know, these educators, if they just understand how we can collaborate, get like minds together, we can have a lot of fun. Absolutely, that sounds wonderful. We appreciate you spending your time with us today. We look forward to talking to you again. Yeah, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks.
always get excited about kindergarten. I, you know, I remember back when I worked with my pal, Miss Walsh, and I would go into her kindergarten class to do public speaking of all things. And she was always doing these wild and like really cool experiments in her science class. And I just remember thinking how science to them is so fun. Right. And it's just later when they're older that we kind of like we make it less exciting because it becomes much more book work instead of the hands on experiences. So good job for her. I think it's great to see her getting little kids inspired. Right. And I was particularly impressed with uh, when she shared about one of her students that was having a oh, tough yeah. time behaviorally yeah, and how she leveraged this young person, this young boy's keen interest in space to help him better, you know. Uh, yeah, to modify his, his modify his, the, Yeah, his conduct in class to make it more, you know, appropriate. So I thought that was a very smart and strategic. Really, really good. And, um, you know, I think we've talked a lot and certainly presented on this. We really need to start recognizing the importance of reaching kids earlier. If STEM careers are going to be the careers that are the highest paying and the ones with the jobs are going to be, then it makes sense. We have to have people who look like the kids in our classroom. We have to have to, in order to provide the idea that they can be that. So anyway, great interview this week. I know we're going to have another great one next week. We hope that you'll join us then. And we say, let's, let's go, go to space. space.